Oh, right, we already did the clap. Sorry. I was <laughs> 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 sitting there just... I was about to say, right, I'm ready to sync us up. I'm very sorry about that. Hold on. That's that's the kind of week we're having this week. I'll tell you for why I got distracted. Why'd you get distracted by? I got distracted, and we're starting the podcast now, because I just watched a trailer for the closed alpha for Neo 2, and there are little round fat hamsters that are rolling behind the character down a set of stairs, and it's the best thing. Th- that, that sounds like the best thing. Yeah, I can't... I, I was distracted... Um, from trying to start the podcast because I was trying to go through it frame by frame to see if they're hamsters or cats. And I think they're hamsters. They look very hamsterial. Looks good. Neo 2 looks good. The the footage here. Looks like there'll be maybe multiple playable characters. Did you say ne- Neo or Near? Neo. I wasn't, I wasn't as enamoured with that one as you, but I still very much enjoyed it for the... I think I got about three quarters of the way through it. I already bloody loved it. And kind of, it kind of burnt out on me then with all the loot stuff. So I hope they tidy up the loot system in the second one. There was a lot of it. You were fiddling around with stuff a lot, and yeah. it 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 could drag. It's 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 one of those games where the first game was interesting and exciting enough with manageable enough flaws that I was willing to go. You know what? This is fun. I have good hopes for a sequel. If you've been doing nothing but fiddling around for 40 hours and you haven't come yet, something's not right. <laughs> or your sting. <laughs> <laughs> Any game like that where its problems are so easily fixable and seemingly universally agreed on as to what the problems are, yeah. I, you know, I, I, would be, I would be upset if they didn't work out how to fix it. <laughs> I don't know, Rockstar's managed to skate by avoiding doing that for a long time. It's not like certain uh, other companies never, ever learn from their mistakes. <laughs> uh. Did you see these rumours about George R. R. Martin and FromSoft teaming up to do a, a Viking game? Ah, uh, yeah, that's... that. Oh, I didn't hear Viking game. Or maybe not Viking, but Norse mythology. Yeah, so the, the, the this, this was kind of floating around a while ago and... Martin himself restoked it like the day before we recorded this. The short version is back in, I think it was March, there was a YouTube channel called Spawnwave who basically were like, hey, what we've heard is that George R.R. R. Martin's working on a Viking game with FromSoft and it's going to probably show up at E3 2019 at Microsoft's press conference. And then yesterday... Martin put up a thing, you know, ah, Game Game of Thrones is finished. Here's what else I've been working on. He confirmed he's been working in collaboration with a Japanese game developer for some game. And then a bunch of other sites started going, yeah, the working title's called something like Great Rune or something like that. And yeah, it's, it's going to be a big thing showing up at E3. Little fucker should stop fucking around with video games and get on writing his fucking book. I'm, I'm curious... I'm curious to see how the most um, the most economic storytellers in gaming team up with the most overly descriptive and verbose storyteller in in fantasy. <laughs> well, it it'll go one of two ways. You'll either get George a, a George R R Martin story that has been given the FromSoft treatment and you know not made overly verbose and that has been condensed down, or you'll get a FromSoft narrative that has just been extrapolated to high heavens. Have you ever read his Have you ever read his books? Have you read his fucking writing? I tried. I tried. I read up until the third one and then I got bored. Right. You, you'll know enough then. Basically, this will not be an authentic George R.R. R. Martin game unless the most graphical detail, the most fidelity, most of the resources have gone into rendering the food. And the diarrhea. Yes. And all of the lore that's in the game should be about the food and what the food looks like and how much crab is in the food. Yeah. If there's not an, an entire chapter vividly describing someone who has the shits, then it's not a George R. R. Martin. Food and shit is basically it. It's food porn and shit porn. <laughs> Two great tastes that go great together. I, I didn't hate the finale. I was fine with it. I agree with everyone who thinks the series was way too rushed and needed like two, three more episodes. But uh, I didn't hate the ending. I think you could have even turned it into, like that one season could have been extrapolated into two. Like I look at some of the plot lines that are painted with such broad strokes in this season that would have had an entire season 
of storyline instead of being condensed into an episode. Even the moment, the moment, the the moment between the big climax of the final episode and everything after it, all of that could have been filled in with other scenes to yeah. help us understand how they got to the next bit. <laughs> so, something I I saw said that has really stuck with me in terms of thoughts about that last season has been basically since they got ahead of of, of George's books. It feels like they've had the bullet points of, like, where that story is supposed to go, but they've not had the meandering journey that gets you between those bullet points. And as such, like, they've gone, oh, it's just like a handful of bullet points. We can do that in a shorter season without going, yeah, like, we're supposed to take the slow rambling journey. That's why people are there. Basically... Game of Thrones is exactly like Street Fighter the movie. Yeah. Because Street Fighter the movie is all leading towards the final scene where all of the characters end up in their video game equivalent costumes and pull a video game equivalent pose. Everything before that has nothing to do with the games. But they work it out. Like, we've got to get Dalton's clothes off. We've got to get... um um the boxer with the boxing gloves and we've got to get Zangief with his shirt off and we've got like all of it the the whole film is a prequel about how they got their clothes <laughs> and and in that regard game of thrones is exactly like because it's all about how sansa got that fabulous dress i think if you were to before this season had come out if you'd bullet pointed like this is the end of the show i think most of us would have looked at it and gone yeah, that is a satisfying place to end, as long as you, you know, take the time to, to build to that. That's a satisfying end state. It just... Yeah, they just jumped to it a bit. Yeah. I do feel bad about one thing regarding the finale. And that is, now that it's wrapped up, video game websites are going to have to work so hard to find yeah. some other content. <laughs> Polygon's doing its best. It's managing... They're managing to survive and scrounge off of op-eds about the finale. <laughs> but pretty soon, they're going to have to start talking about video games, and I don't think they've got it in them. What, what the fuck are people in offices going to talk about? It's only two or three weeks until they can apparently start talking about the, the video game from the Game of Thrones guy, and then they're fine again. Yeah, that'll keep them going for a while. I honestly think that the fact that this show had an ending that disappointed a lot of people online I think is going to really work to Microsoft's benefit at E3 and hear me out on this one um, because a good chunk of people were disappointed with this and like you know people enjoyed this show generally it was like very well received up until the point they went ahead of, of, of George's uh, material people are just going to look at this and go Oh, the problem was that they that they rushed ahead of George. George is still good. What's George doing now that we can latch onto instead of disappointing Game of Thrones? Oh, he's making a video game and it's got that developer we like. I don't think George would be okay with that. If that was the tack they were using, I think he wouldn't like that. I, I don't think that like that's the tack that they're going to present it with, but I think that that's... I think that it's undeniable that like a, a portion of people who were upset about the Game of Thrones ending are going to latch onto a George R.R. R. Martin FromSoft game at E3 and see it as like the chance for redemption. I mean, it's good for them either way. Like now that the, the show's wrapped up, eyes are naturally going to be on George R.R. R. Martin as, yeah. you know, I, I made a joke earlier about him, you know, having to get on with writing the books. Like people are going to be starving for that. They're going to be... Probably arguing over whether or not he should be involved in other projects. I mean, joking aside, it's his life. He can do what he wants. Um, I, I mean, it would be nice if he finished the fucking books. I don't think you're ever going to get those books. I think no, people I need don't to think curb so. their expect. I think we need to Half-Life 3 this now at this point. We need to just accept it's not coming. Yeah, I think it'll be even harder to do now that the show is wrapped up because if I were if I were in George R.R. Martin, Martin's position... If those are all the endings that I'd had figured out, I'd just be like, do I even need to do this anymore? It would be a bit weird almost to revisit when you've already got your story out there. I feel like there's maybe a point of pride in being able to go back to it and go, I'm going to do this the right way, address all of the problems people had with the way that the show did it, and basically just go... Aha, here is the true ending. The books were always the true form of this media. My books are amazing. He literally said this week that that isn't the case. Did he? He said there is he said neither is the right or the true ending he said and it's a silly thing to debate. Wow. 
Yeah, he said it on his blog this week. <laughs> That's probably the same blog that I skimmed to the bit where he mentioned a video game and yeah. like didn't read the rest of. It actually <laughs> was, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I get, I totally get his point. Like the Game of Thrones TV series is the Game of Thrones TV series. Yeah. The the books are the books. They are very different things, you know. Um. So I I totally understand that. I mean, that's like saying what's what's the true ending to Batman? Yeah. Because, you know, there's so many different universes in which things exist and, you know. At this point, the listeners are going to have stumbled upon the irony of me making fun of video game websites for talking about (laughs) Game of Thrones as we are near 12 minutes deep into this podcast. And with like, I just want to register that I'm aware of it. It was the big talking point this week. Yeah. To be fair, it was a big cultural event. Yeah, but like... I think I think the, the 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 we've been focusing on the point that GR Martin's going to be attached to this game, but hey, new FromSoft game at E3, like you know, I'm I'm up for that. I I I hope it's not you know I hope it's more Dark Souls than Sekiro, but yeah, apparently too. it's going to be an open world thing, and that sounds all right. I'm up for open world Viking FromSoft. I hope it has an easy mode. <laughs> It won't, and and a few uh, years from now, one maybe one year, maybe two. I don't know when they might bring whatever it is out. We can all brace ourselves for yet another round of easy mode debates, and game journalists are bad at games op-eds and arguing over accessibility. And I'm sure that conversation will be very pleasant to take part in. Oh, it's going to be great. The YouTube videos are going to be so measured. Mm. It's going to be incredible. I had one thought about easy modes and whatever they're working on, and like maybe this is nothing, and it, it, they're probably not going to do it. But part of me is like, would they put an easy mode in in order to make it more accessible for people who might not be huge gamers but who loved Game of Thrones and might want to get into a video game with that man attached to it? I'd be very surprised, but you never know. I I would be as well, but it's a thought that came across me and I was just like, yeah, I feel like I need to get it out of my head. But I'm, I'm, I'm right with you. I hope it's more Dark Souls than Sekiro. Yeah. Well, considering that it's apparently showing up at Microsoft's conference, part of me is like, is, is this going to be... Because I, I feel like some of Sekiro's stuff was because it was made with Activision. I'm like, well, maybe, maybe, maybe I'm putting the blame in the wrong place. Maybe FromSoft just wanted to try something different. A part of me is like, uh, maybe if we get a FromSoft thing that's not made by Activision, it won't be Sekiro. Well, we know um, Miyazaki is obsessed with medieval European uh, stuff, so that would seem would seem like a pretty good fit. Yeah. Well, he likes that berserk, doesn't he? And that's a lot of that. I I like the thought of a Dark Souls where I can swing around like the like Thor's hammer or something. That seems like a fun idea. Give me that, please. <laughs> yeah, that does sound like fun. While we're taking orders for video games, can I please get Thor's hammer in Dark Souls? <laughs> How, how's, how's both of your, your video game playing weeks been? I played a lot more this week than last week. Pretty good. Played a pretty good game this week I think Jim really liked as well. Oh, if we're talking about Plague Tale. The old, uh, yeah. Plague Tale, yeah. That is my favourite game this year so far. It's, it's, it's better than I was expecting from all those sort of 7 out of 10 reviews. Yeah, I saw some, I saw some mixed, like I've seen mostly praise, but I saw some mixed ones. I saw some people saying it was boring and that seems to be the difference. There are people that either really, really like it or people that find it dull. And and it's a strange disconnect because a lot of things that people are saying are dull about it, I found intense and engrossing. I'm somewhere in the middle there. I found some of its gameplay at times a bit slow and repetitive in ways that wasn't always adding to the game. Yeah, me too. Like, I, like here's the thing. like, I, It's a bit janky and it's a bit slow and repetitive at times, but I'm willing to forgive that because when it's... When it's doing things well, it's a really cool little game. I agree. And when, when it's doing things well, it's one of the best like horror experiences you'll have. Yeah. Like... They do really good stuff with setting tone. Um, I, I remember one moment where I was like, oh, okay, yeah, this is the kind of experience we're in for. It was fairly early on where a horse carcass explodes and rats just pour out of it. I was like, yeah. that's pretty cool. <laughs> the rats are brilliant in terms of a, a horrific antagonist. Yeah. I think the... The game, like, if we were to describe it to people, it's a very linear, very structured set piece, uh, almost kind of survival horror-ish. 
Yeah. But like it's ve- like there is basically usually only one exact way to get through a scenario. Yeah. And if you don't do it exactly the way the game wants, you'll die. It's get through the cool linear corridor without the rats getting you. Here's the thing, like like it's what I call guided stealth. You got some stealth games where you can approach it in many different ways. There are routes, there are tactics, there are tools. And then you've got stealth that's like this, or for a more maligned example, the stealth sections in the in the Insomniac Spider-Man game, which I liked and I saw people complain about and also say they were quite boring and a bit too linear. But the appeal for me with, with guided stealth is it allows the game creators to set a very deliberate pace and to tell a, and to tell a very f- focused story as well. Yeah. Um, even though there's some allusion to it in that if you're doing it the correct way, you won't get caught because it's linear and they can structure it um, a lot more deliberately. They can make the close shaves where you look like you were almost about to get caught feel really fucking close. That said, in a game where essentially every death you get is a one hit kill, like if an enemy spots you and hits you, you're dead. If and there's some sections where even if an enemy sees you, you fail instantly. In a game where that is your core failure mechanic, you need to be thoroughly meticulous in the way you design the encounters. And I found for the first half of the game, I didn't really have any issues. But as the game went on and the 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 mechanics started to expand and there were more enemies at once, there were there were a few times I got pretty frustrated with the one hit kills. Yeah. Did you finish it, Jim? Uh, I'm very close to the end. I got to the end, and and there were a couple of like I'll give you one example. Oh, and and when you do fail, some of the uh, the checkpoints are just yeah. kind of annoying because there's you you'll have to go through a scripted slow walking pushing something sequence before you get back to the bit that killed you without really knowing how you failed that part. That's that's always a problem with games that have a slow methodical pace to them like the first time through that can be really great for building tension and atmosphere but if you have to redo it even once it just becomes a barrier to okay i'm trying to get back to where i was and i feel like i'm wading through treacle and at one point i had to restart an entire chapter Mm. because my checkpoint saved just as my two ai companions were getting spotted ah and when your AI companions break stealth and get spotted, it's not like The Last of Us. These fucking dumb shits get spotted and then the enemies go over and kill them. And there were like four soldiers killing my AI companion and there was nothing. As soon as I would reload, the red marker would go off and I had to run over and try and kill four soldiers before they would kill. But I just didn't have time. And uh, I had to restart the entire chapter. I can't say I experienced anything like that. I I would imagine that's a rare occurrence, but... Yeah. I had the opposite issue once, where I hit a checkpoint as someone was caught dying, but <laughs> I I managed to hit it just in time, and it reset everything when it reloaded the checkpoint, so I was fine. So I had the opposite issue, where it saved my ass rather than screwed me over. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, But yeah, I mean, clearly... I've taken a lot more away from it than than you folks. Um, no, I mean, this is me still talking about a 9 out of 10 game here. You know what I mean? I really enjoyed it. Yeah, like, I don't in any way want these complaints to come across as it's not a good game. It's like, I feel like these are important caveats to put out there because, like, for some people, they're going to be deal breakers and it. sometimes they're going to really get it yeah occasionally and when something is this scripted with the lack of freedom it can become actually quite frustrating yeah but- with the logic of the story because there, like for example there's one scene where you have to lure a pig to its death in order to proceed mm. and uh, the very first scene of the game teaches you that you can kill a pig by hitting it in the head with your sling and I was like okay well I'm not I don't want to like let this poor pig get eaten by rats alive so let me just oh no I can't yeah no I can't. I have to sit there and watch it get eaten and then have my brother giving me the guilt treatment I just stuff like that to me got a little annoying with how how little freedom there was to approach anything in your own way I guess I just bought into the tone of the game cuz it didn't occur to me to put it out of its misery I the moment I saw the pig and the moment um one of the characters made some offhand reference about distracting the rats. I was like, right, well, I'm going to watch that pig get mutilated. Um, 
I guess the, the rather than the game teach me mechanically what what I could do with a pig, it taught me atmospherically what to expect from the pig. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. The very first scene of the game teaches you that you can kill a pig. Oh yeah, no, I'm not debating you. I'm just saying where you were approaching it based on what you learned from the mechanics. I approached the same scenario from what I learned from the tone. Yeah, but in in spite of my not having bought into it as much as Jim, like. I would still say this is a very good, enjoyable game, and it's yeah. totally worth like these caveats in mind. It is still a great game. It's not one yeah. that I can recommend without caveats. It's very particular. It's for a particular audience. Yeah, and a- atmospherically and visually, it's absolutely incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if if you wanna if you wanna go on a linear single player journey and feel like you've You've been taken on a proper trip. This this game will do that for you. So some of the uh, horror sections are absolutely skin. Like I wasn't expecting it to get that dark and disturbing. Like yes, I thought it was just going to be playgrats. At times, it almost has a Game of Thronesy uh, look and feel to it. Yeah. Um, especially as it focuses on you know these kids trying to survive against brutal you know against a brutal war backdrop. Um. Almost every level has something memorable in it. Some fresh trauma to put the the protagonists through. I also liked as well how almost every level introduces some new mechanic. That they ne- There's no two uh, stealth sequences that are quite alike each other. Yes. And I also really like that the game has no stupid fucking bullshit arbitrary morality uh, thing. Like you can just murder as many people as you want. <laughs> yeah. Without affecting your story, you know. And they they do throw dialogue in there to address it sometimes. But that is, they don't try and rigidly enforce it with gameplay. Like, with a, a, you know, a shitty morality meter or anything. It really is, your character chose to do a thing, and the result of that was a character said something in response to it. Yeah, they don't need to reinforce the morality. They can let the audience be you know intelligent enough to work it out for themselves what's right and wrong here yeah there was a part i really liked in that respect where uh, i killed a soldier that i didn't have to kill and uh my brother was like jesus you know and my my character just went fuck him he deserved it <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah i was like yeah that's what i want from my stealth games <laughs> i I think this is by far like one of the more competent games that Focus has had a hand in in a long time. Yeah, like I wouldn't even call the the controls or anything janky per se. Um, stiff, definitely. I don't think the controls were janky. For me, it was the like stuff like the AI was incredibly janky, especially with mm. the, the rats. I never really had too much, but the soldiers, like. Some of them, sometimes they'll spot you a mile off and then others you can literally walk under their nose and they won't notice you. For me, the jank was mostly with ways to get through situations that didn't always work the obvious way you felt they should have. I'll admit there are one or two points where it it could have been a bit clearer what all you were capable of in any given situation. Um, Sometimes I feel like having to kill some soldiers to get through is the best way. And then I might just accidentally find something that was hidden away that could show me doing it much easier. There were also really weird decisions. Like there's parts where a soldier has spotted me and I'm trying to get myself together, but I was stuck in a slow walk. Like, why can't I sprint? You know, just little... And it, it was because the story required it, but... Yeah, and, and the last boss I just found really bad. Really, really shit. <laughs> but, you know... <laughs> I sound like I'm being really hard on this game. It's really, really good. Like, I played, I had to stop myself playing it so that I wouldn't finish it in one night. That's how good it is. Sorry, I sound very, I sound very negative on it, but I'm not. It's really good. It's one of those games where you start it and you can't just give it five or ten minutes. Yeah. You start it and you find yourself just, you keep playing it. And Amicia is a great character. Mm. Yes, yeah. very believable. Like, she is believably written as a... Girl, like a, a young girl who does not know her brother all that well, and yet is still compelled to protect him. And the struggle she has with that is really nicely written. Yeah, and I think that really plays into um, the player experience as well, because the fact that she doesn't know him well and she's kind of annoyed by him at first, really, uh, it's it's not like some games where you're expected to give a shit about a child. And this game really makes Hugo earn his... Uh, yeah. 
his his like from you, you know? It lets you grow to care about the character at the same sort of pace as the character, uh, as, as your protagonist. Yeah, you start off thinking he's a whiny little twerp, but the more you play it, or certainly the more I played it, I found him more and more endearing. Especially if you find the little extras, or the little hidden areas, or the little flowers that he puts in Amicia's hair. The flowers oh, yeah. were great. I wonder, is there a, it, there's no mechanical thing to them, is there? It's literally just a little It's just a, yeah, they're just little things. For narrative, yeah. It's good. It's good, yes. Very good indeed. It's a, it's an eight or a nine for me, but I feel like for you, you really loved it, didn't you? Yeah, I mean, 9.5 edging to maybe it could have got a 10. I mean, it's in, it's not just in the shortlist, it's... It's the only game so far this year that is definitely on my shortlist for potential Game of the Year awards. Um, I can't think of anything else I've played this year that that really measures up to this. Like my top three so far are Resident Evil 2, Metro Exodus and this. Oh, Resident Evil 2, I should say, is definitely in contendership as well. Yes. I forgot about that one momentarily. I played more of Rage 2 as well, and uh, yeah. I, I, I warmed a lot to it as I went on because once I unlocked everything, the game became 10 times more fun, and it made me think they should have uh, let you unlock all this stuff way earlier. That seems to be an issue with a few games lately, like Days Gone was the same thing. Yeah. I tried playing Days Gone after playing Rage, and the difference between clearing a bandit camp in Days Gone and clearing one in Rage 2, like, there, there was a bandit camp in Rage 2, I actually have video footage of it, where I one-hit killed the entire bandit camp. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I killed the entire bandit camp with one hit, and I was like, that's fucking... I think that's the first time that's ever happened in a game. <laughs> that's interesting. I would say that's me- tempered by the issue of when you clear a bandit camp in Days Gone... You've only got to find one thing. And then you clear a bandit camp in Rage 2, and then it's looking, like I said, for the pink among the pink. <sighs> Even with the pink radar thing, it was a pain in the ass finding the boxes in Rage 2. Yeah. It's it's because it's still kind of vague and shit. Yeah. And it doesn't tell you what things are being pinged if you get multiple things. Um, yeah, it's I played a bit more of it, but I couldn't be bothered playing more of it it wore me out it bored me too much i played through the campaign and i got to the end and it was pretty fun i mean it was nowhere near the like top tier shooter but but mechanically absolutely top tier like mechanically it's the best shooty bang bang since doom especially not not in the beginning really but when you unlock the slam and the the punchy thing and the 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 warp and all the different guns it just You've so many options, and it just becomes such ridiculous, over-the-top, adrenaline-fueled fun. Then it's it's a lot of fun when you're doing the shooting, and I just don't. Yeah. I wish it was more like Doom, where it was just shooty encounter to the next, to the next, to the next. I saw a good response to my impressions on it, where someone said that Rage Two should have brought the fun to you rather than have you go out looking for it. Yeah. It should have thrown you into the action. Instead, you've got to find. And then jog toward the action. And again, that's where linearity could have favoured this game. Yeah, a particular thing is the driving is so bad. I can't fathom how the driving is so bad in this game when it was fine in Rage 1. And it was really fine in Mad Max as well. And I just... Like, there was a point in this game's campaign where I had to finish a race first to continue and I that was the one time this game actually made me rage because the driving is it just so awful the races are awful yeah for for anyone that's not played it you know you know how annoying the Mako is imagine if you had to try and win a race in that where like not only did you have to get it from A to B but you had to do so fastly quickly and precisely that's not a good time. In in a in a thing that has the turning circle of a fucking tank, but when you hit the uh when you hit the handbrake, you're suddenly skidding all over the fucking place and it just is an awful, awful drive. The wor- some of the worst driving I've ever played in an open world game. Mm-hmm. Absolutely vomit inducing. I agree. I slowed down to a crawl at times just because I was on like a rocky mountain area yeah. and I didn't want to fall off the fucking side yet again. Yeah, and the camera really 
is terrible in those moments as well. If it if you get near a wall or it's such bad driving, I don't know how they managed it. I don't. You you have to try because there are so many good examples out there of how to do this shit now. Yeah, like Rage One. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I I finished every single race in Rage One and had a blast doing it. You know, I, 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 as soon as I finished the first race in this, I was like, never again. I'm not, I didn't do any of the vehicle combat. I didn't no. do any of the convoys. I did none of the races because they were fucking terrible. I think that's about when I just decided I'd had enough. Like I, I, I did one race and I'm like, you know what? I like feeling in my open world games that I might want to play all of the content, all of the busy work you're throwing at me. I never want to do this again. But here's the thing, right? Then... Again, the game throws you an unlockable vehicle that suddenly alleviates all that. You get this cool little flying hovercraft and you can just fucking flit around the world at your leisure then. You can go over hills. You don't have to pay attention to roads. It's really hard to go off a cliff in it. You can go places you couldn't get in a car. And I'm like, why wasn't this there from the beginning? I'm starting to feel like video games have like gotten so desperate for ideas for unlockables and feel that unlockables are an obligatory part of game design now, that they are just sequestering good things behind unlockables. Things you need, requisite things that make the game fun because they need some sort of progression system. I couldn't believe it when I unlocked this little hovercraft thing because I was like, this makes the game so much more enjoyable. Why couldn't I have had this from the start? Good good games feel good from the start and feel even better over time. Like something yeah. like Spider-Man on PS4, I would argue. I think that game felt great from moment one and only got better. As yes. opposed to something like this where there's a part of you that goes, I'm sure they must not have done, but... Is it possible that they made this deliberately bad so that their later one would feel better by comparison? Why not? They do it to sell fucking microtransactions. Why not do it to sell the game's own longevity? Yeah, Laura's so right there. Laura, the, the Spider-Man, the minute you jump out that window and the opening cutscene, the game feels amazing until the moment you finish it. That's it. They, they make sure that they start from a level of this feels great and move upwards rather than we're going to start you feeling shit and not in control of the game and you have to earn the right for this game to feel fluid. If someone only played like the first two, three hours of Rage, they'd think it's a really boring bog standard shooter. Whereas yeah. it actually is so, it, it's a lot more than that. And if you've just given people all that stuff from the beginning without needing these 300 upgrades with four different currencies, and oh my god, the upgrade system was fucking Byzantine. People have wondered whether like some of that currency was there because there was going to be more premium currency bullshit yeah. and had it taken out or something. Because some of it really does feel like, like, why is this here? Why do we need all of this? It's like four different currencies, and then there's the money currency as well. Yeah, it's absurd. <sighs> But it's got a lot of nice pink in it. It do. It do got a lot of nice pink. I would still recommend it because I, I still had a lot of fun with it. And it, 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 it once you get past all the, the shitty bits, the bits that are good are more fun than you'll have in most games. See, even post-upgrade, I just... I got to the point where I found the fun bits frustrating because it just made me think, why can't it be like this the whole time? Why have I got to pay for this with... with just a slog in between. Um, and then I gave up and, and dedicated most of the week after that to Plague Tale. It's funny, you you couldn't get two, two more different games mechanically and thematically, even though they're both kind of apocalyptic. <laughs> yeah. I keep thinking about going back to Rage and being like, well, I, I could just play a game that I'm already enjoying rather than investing more time into one that I might enjoy down the line. Yeah, I think that's perfectly fair. Even if Rage had levels the size of the levels in Doom, I think you'd have a real winner on your hands there. You know? Yeah, like, all all I really wanted out of it was, like, neon paint-coloured Doom. I blame everyone, everyone who said Final Fantasy Thirteen gets good after 30 hours. That made them all think it was okay. Yeah. It did get good after 30 hours, though. Ah. Not the recent <laughs> one with the four boys, or was that the one before? Oh, that's 15. That's 15. 15 is, like, I would argue, a lot better, like, from the get-go. I'm a big fan of... Oh, yeah, still got problems, but way better paced. 15 lost me after about five or six hours. I got to the town, 
and the music was driving me insane. Oh. <laughs> the mu- the music in that little little uh, summery town, you know, where you meet the sister and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, the music was just driving me nuts so much I had to stop playing the game. Yeah. Um uh, other things that happened this week, um did either of you see that video that's going around from a Sony investor meeting where they they just casually were like, "Oh yeah, here's a video of of load times on the PS5." No. No. It, there's not a huge amount to see. It's you, do you remember that that article that Wired had where they were like, "Hey, behind closed doors we got shown that games run real fucking fast on this thing. Yeah. It's basically that thing that they showed Wired. It's like, hey, you can zoom through the Spider-Man city like ludicrously fast with it because it can keep up with loading all the areas uh, in in real time. And like, Can it run at 60 frames per second, though? Uh, it appeared to be running at, 50, uh, at 60 frames a second. Um, fast travel times were under a second. If it launches with a Bloodborne remaster... Then I'll get excited. Yeah. Give, give me remasters of all the good PS4 games, but now their load times are like half a second. I'll be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. sure. I remember what Sony once told me Killzone 2 would look like, so um, yeah. I'll believe a lot of this when I see it, for real. You know what's got me believing, or at least like having some hope that this might be real? The puddles. The fact that they've not taken this to E3. Because, like, if they did this at an E3 press conference and made a big song and dance about, like, yeah, yeah, this is going to be amazing, that I would be dubious of. But here I'm like, they're being very calm and understated about this. Yeah. Like, they're not making a big song and dance. Are they doing an E3 conference? No, Sony's not doing an E3 conference this year at all. Um, Are they even doing, like, a small one or... or or anything. Uh, they aren't having an official, like like a like a lengthy conference. They've not got any booth space at the event. A lot of suspicion is that, sus- like, close to E3, they might announce one of their fifteen-minute PlayStation Direct, what what you call them, state of play videos. But if they're doing that, they've not announced it yet. It's they seem like they are just like skipping E3, which considering that they are apparently confident enough to be like, oh yeah, this is this is what PS5 is going to be like. It's it's just very inter- it's interesting to me. Something tells me Mike Microsoft's going to win the press conferences this year. Yeah, <laughs> you know it makes me sad that people are start- starting to skip them because as cheesy and annoying as they are, they they always have so much great stuff to make memes about, and they always have so many funny memorable things and. So much cringe. <laughs> well, we'll have the PC game show. <laughs> We've always got that. Yeah, but that that is just, ugh, it's so boring. I think we will see Sony come back, even if it's in a pre, like a Nintendo Direct style pre-recorded thing next year, because I think the main reason they're skipping now is they've not got anything hugely excited coming out for the rest of this year, and they're they're ramping up all their su- surprises for when they announce like what the PS5 is going to be. So is The Last of Us Two going to be a PS5 launch title then? My my guess is it's going to be end of the generation start slash start of the next one. Like the last game was was that too, wasn't it, or was it? It was it was just at the I think the very tail end of the generation. Yeah, it didn't come out at the beginning of the PS4's lifespan, but it was one of the last big exclusives to the PS3. Yeah. It did eventually get a PS4 remaster as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was bloody fantastic. Even if they don't make an exact like PS5 port of it, they've said it's going to be backwards compatible with PS4 games and discs. Oh, yeah, so yeah, yeah. it wouldn't surprise me if they're just, this is the la- a big last hurrah for PS4, plus you can pay- play it on your PS5 anyway. Maybe it'll have a HD texture pack you can download for it on PS5 or something. Yeah, it... It's it's going to be weird. Microsoft does feel like they, they have the field pretty uncontested this year. Yeah. Do you see what GOG's done? Talking about contests? Uh, something about GOG Galaxy 2.0 or something? Yeah, GOG Galaxy 2.0. That's their client launcher thing. Um, okay. They, they're going to have it so it will launch games from any other launcher. So the, this whole split with Valve and Epic and, and all of that, they're basically saying, if you use us we'll unify it all and you can run it all from one launcher, which is not an unwise move. It keeps them in the conversation. It gives a perk to people who use it. It probably won't, you know, get millions of people jumping ship to them, but it's a clever little move regardless. It's not a difficult move for them to make, and it's one that could definitely 
make them a nice, easy talking point of why people should go to them. They're writing it hard for publicity right now. Like, it's good marketing for them. Not a bad move. It's a very solid bullet point. UB and Bethesda ones I'm always interested to see. I, I don't, don't quote me on this, but I heard from people I knew... That we might be seeing a little bit more of Starfield this year. Yeah, Did, didn't they actively like say that it's not going to be there? Like, that's not to say it won't be there. They might have just fucking lied, but. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not you, Laura. I when I hear what some of these things, I just go, "Oh well." I I I then don't go out and actually do research and see if it's true. <laughs> I just say it irresponsibly and hope for the best. <laughs> <laughs> so as as of April this year, Todd Howard did say Bethesda isn't going to show Starfield or The Elder Scrolls 6 at E3 this year. Uh, but they also told me that The Elder Scrolls Mobile would be a, an authentic Elder Scrolls experience. And Todd Howard lied about that. So They also told us that Fallout 76 would be good and that you could play it single player and have fun. And that it, and they also told us that it wouldn't have any microtransactions that were uh, pay to win. So you know, and they told us that the special edition for seventy six had a nylon bag in it. They told us it just works. <laughs> so Starfield will definitely be at E three this year. That's what we've determined. Definitely. And George R R Martin's writing it. I had a quick look around this week at the stuff that sh- has shown up at previous E threes, and we should probably expect to see this year. There's a bunch of stuff I forgot that like got announced and I just completely forgot existed. Um Babylon's Fall is a game that Square Enix is publishing that was developed by Platinum Games who did like um Devil uh, uh, who did uh what they do uh Near Automata and stuff like that. Bayonetta. Bayonetta. So that's that's a thing I forgot existed. Uh Final Fantasy 7's showing up. Square Enix has an Avengers game that's been in development for years and we've not seen anything about. Uh, probably Doom Eternal and Wolfenstein Youngblood will get more on. Yeah. But I can't imagine either of those being bad. I, I hear I hear there might even be a new Call of Duty this year. <gasps> Shock and horror. The 15th annual one in a row. <laughs> uh, it sounds like they, they might be in some trouble for next year if they heard you heard these these rumblings that they they've maybe scrapped the one they were working on and got one of their other teams to start from scratch on it that's always a good sign yeah never 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 great well it's supposed to be modern warfare for the next one isn't it maybe i i i'm no good at keeping up to track on what the call of duty is meant to be i'm down for another adventure with uh captain price well i think most didn't most of that that strands just get wrapped up in three then they just sort of brought out shit like ghosts yeah. and just some weird subtitle shit like that's all i expect from them now but then they did do black ops 4 so but then that didn't make quite as much as the last black ops so that caused a massive investor panic even though it still made ludicrous <laughs> amounts of money so who even fucking yeah. knows uh for ubisoft beyond good and evil 2 will probably show up again uh assassin's creed assassin's creed um Vikings will show up as well, I would say. Are we just going to get a shitload of Viking stuff? I was going to say, we're probably not actually, because they've said that they're skipping this year for Assassin's Creed. All right. So I wouldn't expect to see that Vikings one till next E3. Oh, God, don't tell me it's because there's another horrible fucking film coming out. I, I, from what I can tell, I don't think so. I think they just realised oh, that they, God. you know, need to give the games some time rather than rush them out annually. To, yeah. Two years is good between Assassin's Creed because yeah. these days they're so big that they last you a, a fucking year anyway. <laughs> exactly. Um, Ghost Recon Breakpoint, that got revealed, so we'll probably see more of that. Yeah. Rumours of a splinter cell as well, isn't there? Uh, that That's a weird situation. Oh, we talked about that last week with the weird tweet, yeah. Uh, Skull and Bones was meant to be this year and that got pushed back and it sounds like that's not going to be at E3, so no more... Ubisoft Pirates. Play Sticks and Bones instead. Sticks and Bones? It's great. It's great. It's it's that one I've talked about in the past described as David Cage made a pirate game on a with no budget. Ah. It's fucking hilarious. It's stupidly brief, but it's on Steam and it's fucking funny. I bet Skull and Bones was a Black Flag uh, follow-up that they just decided halfway through to make into something else. It, it does look like they just had the engine and went, 
What if we just made this into a whole game? Instead of making whole games and turning them into Assassin's Creed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, what we got from Nintendo? Nintendo's got Fire Emblems probably showing up again. Yeah. Uh, Astral Chain, which was that game that's... It's another one made with Platinum Games that had some weird cyborg people connected by energy cables. Looked very odd. Hopefully we'll find out when that Music Rhythm Zelda game's coming out. Mm. That looked quite cool. I want to play that still. There's not really much to get excited about this year. Yeah. Did either of you play the demo for that um, Demon X Machina on the Switch? I played the demo for that. It was fucking awful, I thought. I really struggled with it, yeah. A total mess, right? It felt weird to control. It felt slow and clunky. Yeah, nothing about that felt good to me. I I, I was looking forward to it. And so yeah. I tried the demo and I'm like, right, I, not even for a impressions do I want to buy this. It will feel like I'm just th- throwing money down a drain and then pissing down the drain. You know what bit of that demo got me the most confused? Did you ever have your mech get destroyed and you were on foot and then realise, wait, what am I supposed to do? I can't fix my mech. I can't get into someone else's mech. I'm just kind of stood here with a little handgun trying to shoot at mechs up in the sky. No, that didn't happen. Uh, that was weird. I couldn't work out, like, am I supposed uh. to just let myself die now? Like, why is this not a fail condition? I'm now on the ground ineffectively shooting at mechs. Yeah, because I know in trailers and stuff they made a deal out of the fact you could get out the mech, but... Yeah. No, I didn't get into that. I'm now curious as to what the protocol is for destroyed mech, but you're still hanging around. Yeah, no one has been able to explain to me what the point of that was, and that was the point where I gave up on that demo. Yeah, it, it very disappointing. Yeah. Uh, Nintendo's got some stuff coming out this year. Luigi's Mansion 3, Animal Crossing. Oh... I can't wait to be really excited for Animal Crossing. Play it with delight <laughs> for a week and then ask what the fuck I'm doing and then never play it again. Oh, I know that I will do that, but I will be right there with you. Yep, absolutely. Can't Literally can't wait. Yeah. There's, there's a few Microsoft things we know about. Gears 5 probably be there. Uh, Battletoads. I forgot all about that. Yeah. Yeah. Gears, Gears 5 looks like it's not really... Uh learned anything from the feedback of Gears 4. We're getting the boring millennials yeah. <laughs> instead of instead of the grumpy old boomers. And I want the grumpy old boomers. I found Gears 4 pretty underwhelming. Mm. Uh, give me back our grumpy old fucking redneck boomers, please. <laughs> yeah. The main thing I would expect out of Microsoft is we're probably going to hear about the next Xbox and we'll probably see some more about Cyberpunk. As they've been sort of teasing that something's going to go on and... Where else are they going to put it other than Microsoft's conference? I heard that they're going to get uh, one of their high-ranking executives to come out on the stage and unzip it at the front of his pants and reach in and then, like, grab, like, between his index finger and his thumb um, a good wad of his ball sack and he's going to pull that out and he's going to scream at the journalists in attendance, look how long it goes, look how flat, look how far. And that's an hour of that. And I've heard that... that those who they've been practicing it with are very uncomfortable. Are we still talking about cyberpunk? Or... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, couple, so a couple of other things we had this week. The Epic Store has continued to get worse. Sometimes I think I'm on the wrong podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you were saying, Laura. Yeah. Uh, the Epic Store continued to get worse and worse this week. So you know how they don't have a shopping cart? Yeah. And they did, without warning any of their developers, they did a sale where they were like, oh, we'll, we'll pay for, for players to have 10 quid off any game that's worth 14 quid or whatever it is. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Put those together and what do you get? A lot of people no. going in and buying one game because they can only buy one game at a, t- game at a time because there's no shopping cart. And then buying another game, and another game, and another game. Because they're all, like, 75% off. This is amazing. I'm just going to buy one game after another. Yeah, already inconvenient. And then getting their accounts locked for doing too many consecutive single purchases back-to-back because there was no shopping cart. Boink! They did not think that through, did they? No, well, I mean... Like, I I talked about this in my video, because some people, because we're in the backlash-lash phase, 
where people are annoyed that people are annoyed. And then people will get annoyed that the people are annoyed that the people are annoyed. And the whole thing will stack. But because we're in the backlash lash, some people found this story a bit too far. Um, Kotaku wrote an article about it and there was an amazing comment replying with, Why the hate? Why are you hating on Epic? Um, but I'm glad this story was out there. And I argued that, that this, this is one of the most um, useful yeah. stories about the Epic Store. Because I, I speak as someone whose bank has such um, finicky anti-fraud measures that most legitimate purchases I make have a 50-50 shot of getting my card blocked. Yeah. And then I have to phone up and unblock it. Um, this is ranging from, if I, if I buy something from another country, definitely I'm going to have to call the bank because of fraud prevention. If I... But if I buy something that's just my weekly groceries from the store where I buy it every week, then there is still also about a 20 to 50 percent chance that my card will get flagged. So I'm glad I knew this because there is no doubt, even after purchase two, that like every purchase I would make would just increase the chances that my stupid fucking bank will go wild with it and and claim that it's fraudulent activity because yeah. the shopping cart will make using the epic store for me too much of a hassle to be worth it you should probably make sure there's an ability to buy multiple games at a time before you offer a ludicrous discount that's going to incentivize people to buy multiple games it was trouble that was waiting to happen and it, you know what? it wouldn't even bother me so much if the one instance of fraudulent activity on my card wasn't Flagging the fucking anti-fraud measures. The one time! Yeah. Yeah, I've been there. As someone... As someone whose card gets flagged all the time, but not actual, not the time that actual fraud happens, I have... You have my sympathy. Buy some fucking milk from Kroger? Oh, that's definitely someone with a stolen card. Fucking semi-skimmed! Here's, here's some funny uh, thing I just saw on Reddit about Epic. Um, someone requested all the personal information that Epic had on them on the store and Epic sent it to a different person by mistake. <laughs> oh yeah, I saw that story. Oh dear. But at the end of the day, they've got all the exclusives so they're going to make Mad Bank regardless. That's that's the cruelty of the economic system we're in, everybody. Yeah. If you've got the money, you can, you can fail upwards if you like. It's your choice. You've got the money. You can choose with enough money to interact with this world any which way you want to the point where you have your own reality, which is why billionaires don't actually know what real people need or feel like or deal with. Mm. Because you literally can exist in another world. So yeah, it doesn't matter how many PR hits they take. And clearly many video game companies are calculating that any PR hits they take is well worth it compared to the money they can make. Yeah. And I'm not saying this to discourage people from being mad over this situation. Be mad as hell. I encourage it even, but also be mad at everything that's allowed this to happen. Yeah. You you communist. Mm. <laughs> I think there's a couple of other games that me and Jim have both played before we wrap up. Do we want to quickly go through uh, Team Sonic Racing and Saints Row on the Switch? La, 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 la. Yes, yes. <laughs> what do you want to talk about first? Your choice. Oh, uh, let's get Saints Row out of the way because I can get that out of the way pretty quick. Uh, love that game. Not a good port. Not a good port. No. 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 I'm, I'm enjoying having it in a portable environment, but like when smokestacks from factories that are like miles away stay on the screen no matter which way you turn the camera and when you can go through the floor or get stuck in the ground or like it really is bad and the controls don't feel great either on that so here's the thing like it's it's not it it's about the same level of performance as the ps3 version like it's not that much worse than the ps3 version was at launch but those controls are the thing that keep stopping me having a good time is everything just feels really sluggish and unresponsive yeah. and no matter how much i turn the sensitivity up to max it just doesn't feel right to control right and i don't know why yeah i've whacked all the sensitivities up as well i can't work out what feels wrong about it yeah and if it if it felt responsive i could probably put up with the inconsistent frame rate in order to have it as a portable experience right now I 
I was so excited. I turned down replaying this on PC because I was like, nope, I want to wait for the Switch version. I want to replay Saints Row 3 on Switch. Yeah. And I don't think I made the right call. No, I'm starting to... I mean, the other thing is, is that personally for me, I won't count the first Saints Row. That that game doesn't count at all. Out of the three real games, um, Saints Row the Third is the weakest for me. Um... In terms of, I, I I expected a lot because the tone of Saints Row 2 is quite different from the tone of Saints Row the Third, and I much prefer the tone of 2. But then I also really love the gameplay and the comedy in 4, yeah. which leaves the third somewhat where I'm like, it's good, but it's not great. The, the third was a very weird choice of which one to bring over. Yeah, I think really they, they didn't want to do 2 because it's A, really old now, and B, that tone really is very different and very dark. And four probably would have pushed the switch too much for them, maybe. Well, you you say that like I've I've seen some people talking about the fact that Saints Row Four was made on an engine that is much better suited to the things that the the switch is good at. Like oh, that that game might have had an easier time running because it Saints Row Three was always a technical mess on on last gen consoles anyway. But. Oh, that's interesting. Well then, yeah, maybe my theory doesn't hold water. Maybe it's just a weird choice. I don't know how much truth there is to it, but like I've I've heard that like the way that that Saints Row Three specifically runs its graphics stuff, it it basically relies very heavily on the the parts of the Switch that are the weakest. Oh, okay. To do its graphic stuff, and that's why it's struggling. It's just like a very weird engine they had. Yeah. Well. The other issue with the, with the third in particular is uh, there are a lot of escort missions in that game. Yeah. There are also quite a fair few fucking sniper missions in that game with really long amounts of time between checkpoints. Stupid amounts. Mm. Where even when you play it in the best condition possible with better controls, some of it is still on an unreasonable degree where I'm like... I'm being chased by helicopters and rocket launchers and I've got to keep this car alive for ages. Mm. And I could die at any moment right towards the end, as I do in most cases where I die, and have to do the whole thing over again. And then you combine that with the fucking controls of the Switch version. And it's a nightmare. The sniper missions are just awful. (laughs) Yeah. You know what I've enjoyed a lot more, though? Mm. Team Sonic Racing's pretty alright. It's alright. It's fine. Yeah. It's acceptable. I, I, I've enjoyed that. I think it's definitely most enjoyable if you've got three people in the same physical room as opposed to trying to play it single player or online. But Well, the matchmaking, uh, certainly when I, I played the PS4 version and the matchmaking for me was balked. Like, it, it takes ages to get into a game. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's fine. It, it seems to have had a lot of reduced content from the last one. Uh, I saw a lot of people complaining about that. Um, I remember a time when these Sonic racing games uh, had different Sega characters in them, not just Sonic. Yeah. Uh, so the characters feel threadbare and limited. Yeah, I, I, I asked the creator about that and he was just like, well, we wanted this one to be a Sonic game rather than a Sega game because we're trying to build up the Sonic brand again and we don't want to dilute that by yeah. having other characters. And I'm like, I get it. I'm still going to look at this and go, but where's... Where's Billy Hatcher? I want to race as Billy Hatcher. They shouldn't have done that. Like, that would be my immediate answer. We wanted to make it more more just about Sonic. Yeah? You shouldn't have. They really shouldn't have. I want to be the, the fucking dwarf from Golden Axe. Exactly. Fucking Gilius Thunderhead rolling around. Like, I understand your reasoning, but I'm going to look at this game and go, but but there was more. Where Where's the more? Yeah. It feels like they've left a lot on the table. And to me, it feels... Because, yeah, it's fine. And it feels like it's it's doing everything up to the bare minimum. This game is 100% up to spec and no no higher or lower. I think it goes out of its way to do new mechanics that I, I think it's fair to say, you know, do set it aside from, from a Mario Kart. And I think that it executes those new ideas well. Like, I don't think that this is in any way a bad attempt to not just be a Mario Kart clone. Yeah, it's fine. Absolutely, absolutely regulation fine. The only major complaint I have, aside from the awful noise that plays with the matchmaking, (laughs) that clippity-cloppity noise, is the results screens at the end of the matches. I popped a Jim Pressions video up before we did this, and I played the what happens at the end of every single race in its entirety. It's like over a minute 
of different result screens. First, you have to vote for which racer did the best thing based on different criteria. Oh, yeah, yeah. Who who are you going to give a prize to? Yeah. Then you find out like what position you were in and how many credits you earned. And then you see a point tally for every single team in the race. And then you see a winner screen. And it goes on for so fucking long that I'm like, right, you've just killed my, my sense of momentum with this game. Yeah, which that game sometimes has a great sense of momentum. Like a, an example I'll give, time trials... They don't do the thing that Mario Kart does in like similar games where it's like, okay, do three laps, take your best speed, that's your new time trial record. You drop into a time trial level and it just lets you go round and round and round and round and round trying to beat your best time, which is really nice. Is that the one with the little, the little, I forget what they call them in the game, the little poles with the red and the, uh, the green? Or is it blue? I can't remember now. Um, but you've got to like go as close to these poles as possible to earn extra points, or am I thinking about a different... Oh, I no, no. I was thinking of just the straight time trials where it's like you've got like, oh, three right, boosts yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's a standard level. But like that, that was a really nice thing for keeping you in momentum is that it just lets you keep going and going and going at a level to, to work your time down. And that worked really well for me. Yeah. Yeah, the actual... The racing is, is perfectly fine. Yeah. It's... it's it just a lot of it just feels very bare bones, very basic. Uh, the UI as well, I just found very bog standard. I had very little in the way of actual complaints about it. I was like, yeah, if 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 this was the racing game I had, like let let's say I didn't own a Nintendo console, I didn't have the option of a Mario Kart, and I you know PS4 is the only thing I've got. This is a totally serviceable kart racer that'll scratch that itch. But even then. Um, as I said in Mudge Impressions, if you've only got money this year for one mascot kart-style racing game, Crash Team Racing is out soon, the remaster of that, and it's probably going to be a lot more fun. It might well be better, yeah. Mostly because I remember that game being fucking brilliant back in the day. I hope it. I hope it's as good as you remember it when it comes back round. Yes! Or, or at the very least, the remastering process has improved what needs to be improved. Yeah. Um, I remember the, the Crash Bandicoot remaster actually made something a bit more of a hassle when they fucked with the jumping. Yeah. That's out just after E3, isn't it? I think so. Yeah, it's imminent. Um, so I would say if you're interested in a, a mascot racer game, um, I wouldn't guarantee that Crash Team Racing's better, but I would say if you've only got the money for one, yeah. at least hold on and see, um, because it might end up being better, and I feel like it's going to be better. Yeah, yeah, that's that. I played a bit of the Castlevania collection on Switch. It's old Castlevania games. That's fine too. Yeah, I didn't expect there was going to be anything particularly exciting about that. Yeah, yeah, it's good. They're all good games. They're good games in a new place. You know, play Kid Dracula on it. Why not? Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 I think that's a good time to, <laughs> to wrap up. Um. Laura, how can people find the things, what you have done on the internet, please? Things what I've done on the internet? Laura K. Buzz in most of the places. Laura K. Buzz on Twitter, Twitch and YouTube. Uh, I'm going to be more active on Twitch and YouTube very soon. Um, you know, in the coming weeks, you should maybe keep an eye on those. I've got a couple of books coming out soon. Things I Learned from Mario's Butt is a silly coffee table book with illustrations that should be out hopefully the end of the summer. And Uncomfortable Labels, which comes out as a physical book on July 18th and as an audio book on August 18th. Uh, I will have more information about that very soon. Uh, Dice Funk, it's a Dungeons and Dragons podcast. I'm on seasons three, four and five. They're all self-contained stories. That's probably the big the big ones. Also, I've, I've been redoing LauraKBuzz.com, which you should maybe keep an eye on soon. Splendid. And Gav! Yeah. You do music and stuff on the internet, and it's really good. But I don't know where to hear it, Gavin. Where could I do that? You can search for Miracle of Sound on YouTube and on Spotify and on iTunes, and you'll find all my shit there. And you can find me on Twitter at Miracle of Sound. And if you want to help keep me in a job making music and talking on podcasts with these two, you can find me on Patreon at Miracle of Sound as well. And I want to say special thank you to my patron supporters this week in particular. 
because uh, I've had a few weeks where I've been a little bit just mentally and creatively burnt out. And it's so nice to have the luxury to be able to just take a little time to let that happen. So uh, thank you, Patreon. <laughs> you guys rock. Awesome. I'm losing patrons with every new update. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah, it just seems to happen now and then. I'm at a point now where it seems like I put something up and people are like, oh, fucking hell. Fuck this bastard. I think, I think, I think it happens before the summer, Jim. I feel like... I lost a fair few before last summer as well, and then it kind of climbed. It can happen there, yeah. And at the beginning of the year, it, there's always a hit because of tax season and stuff. Um, yeah. Funnily enough, I've never, never before the holidays, like to a notable degree. But soon after, with the tax season and everything rolling around, then the dings start coming. But you know, uh, support as always greatly appreciated. Thank you so much for the amount of retweets and shares on videos lately. They really do help. And they've been helping keep the Jimquisition numbers nice. Um, so that's really good. Uh, I am no longer a, a wrestling tag team champion. I no longer have my my very own real wrestling belt championship. They were lost, not by me. I was doing my best, but Alex Graves let the team down in a defence. Um, but interesting things will happen there. Uh, keep an eye on maybe Pittsburgh. I might be going up there soon for some wrestling stuff. So exciting stuff there. Yeah. Um, there is a lot of spandex as well in this house right now. Very shiny spandex. <laughs> you thought Stardust was shiny. Wait till you see what we've got coming. Um, and and that, that will be a fitting punishment for Pro Wrestling Ego for fucking us over in their attempts to get the gold off us. But, but we'll, we'll make them pay for that. Uh, and that's it. Thank you so much for watching, listening, enjoying, reading, everything about us in. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.